to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 110 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are back after a long, long two weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. What? Because what? We, we did Crypticon, so it's like... Oh yeah, this is like a real episode. Yeah. We haven't done one of these in a while. Remember when before we cut to the five news stories when we would come back from Crypticon and have like eighty seven news stories to talk yeah. about? <laughs> like, oh. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh so how you doing, Taylor? I'm doing quite well. Yeah. Just came back from a weekend away, huh? Yeah, I was in uh in Portland. Mm-hmm. Stump town. St- as they call it. Why do they call it that? Because there's it. lots of stumps there. Sure. All right. Well, you know, stumps. Hi, Joe. He's going to wave at you. <laughs> she waved first. Um, so, uh, yeah. How was that? Did you have fun? I did. What'd you do? Nothing, really. Lynn went to, a, uh, Lynn, Lynn went to an Andrew McMahon concert, and so I just kind of hung yeah. out with my buddy Robert. Yeah. We went to the space room. The space room? Yeah. All right. It's not as cool as it sounds. <laughs> okay. It it's, was really suck because it doesn't really sound that cool. <laughs> they have like it's the most half-assed space decorations. It's like yeah, look, there's a picture of Saturn on the wall. Space, deal with it. <laughs> Is it a bar? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not like an arcade or anything. <laughs> I feel like uh, um, I feel like Portland has a lot of half-assed bars. <laughs> like if you're gonna theme yourself, like commit. Yeah. You don't just cut pictures out of a magazine and slap them on the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's like our idea for a horror theme bar was going to be epic. Yeah, it was pretty much going to be like the Shining bar as for the bar itself. And then there's going to be like cool how, uh, fucking horror shit all over the walls. and Yeah, like prop replicas and shit. Yeah, the bathrooms were going to be the... Uh, we shouldn't be saying this. Someone's going to steal our idea. That's a good point. But we were also going to have an adjoining coffee shop that was going to look like the Black Lodge. Yeah. Don't steal our idea. Don't do it. This since it's now on wax, as they say, that we're going to mail this to ourselves, and that constitutes a trademark. What? <laughs> Somehow there was this old, uh, not not wives' tale, but like some kind of hashtag fake news that if you recorded something and then mailed it to yourself, since it went through like a government agency. That it was it was now trademarked. That sounds like a bunch of fucking nonsense. It is a bunch of fucking nonsense. I don't know who came up with it and why anyone, let alone so many people, <laughs> believed it. But well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Um, cool. Anything else new? Mm, nope. Neat. Um. Well, last episode, you know, we had just gotten back from Crypticon and also, um. The Reach was filming in my backyard. That all literally, literally. Um, I got to be a fucking demon, right? And I used, I got to use a clapboard. Hey, clap, clap. That's what I did. (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, and now, uh, I think at least most of principal photography is wrapped. Like all, all the kids are, are the wrapped. kids are wrapped, and that's you know they're the the stars. The so. Meat and potatoes, if you will. Don't talk about kids meat and potatoes. <laughs> why are you gonna make it dirty? <laughs> it's what I do. It's why I'm here. 
Um, so that's cool. Uh, I mean, we're still looking at a 2019. I think release. first quarter of 2019 is the plan. So, yeah, but um, I mean, Taylor might have to do some reshoots or some some B footage, I guess. Right? Maybe. I'm yeah. I'm still waiting to hear. Right. That's why he still looks like a fucking hippie. That's, that's why I have this ridiculous hair. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, so that's exciting. It's coming along. Yeah. Um. What else? What else? What else? I don't know. Do, do we want to talk to talk about our Patreon patrons now? Seems <laughs> yeah. like a good, yeah. good time. Yeah, I suppose we should. Um. So every month, uh, a a very generous bunch of assholes. <laughs> No, some very, very kind people like to give us money every month to, because they support what we do for whatever fucking reason. Um, those people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and welcoming into the fold, Aaron Meyer. Hey! Thank you, Aaron, for joining the club. We appreciate you and all you other folks. We really appreciate your donation every month. Taylor? If somebody else would like to jump on into the line and rock their body in time, uh, where can they go? Okay, I believe you. Uh, they can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1 a month. You can get exclusive content, including video reviews chosen by you. Yes, sir. You can also get things like discounts to the Grave Plot Podcast store, uh, early access to new episodes, uh, your name in sh- our short films, and other malarkey. Yeah. And Taylor will also send you a picture of his autographed bat wing for $100. My autograph? What? Do I autograph it? Yeah. What, you want me to autograph it? I I didn't know if it was like going to be autographed by like Adam West or something. (laughs) Just any old autograph. (laughs) Uh, I got to start like writing these things down so I'm prepared for every episode. (laughs) Um, neat. Speaking of uh, our, our patron Max Zaleski, he made his his independent wrestling debut. Yeah, he did recently at uh, CPW here in Seattle. He's the Polish Wild Man, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's got some uh, some kind of one arm singlet thing with fur with <laughs> just a f- a fur over the shoulder thing. I don't know. I can't think of a word to describe it. And he doesn't wear shoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I saw. I didn't. I mean, you saw it live. Yeah, yeah. I was there. Uh, I saw a video. Seems to. I mean, clearly he's been practicing because he clearly knows what he's doing. The crowd room. was into it. Yeah, I heard him. So uh, I'm good for him. Yeah, happy for him. Quite. God knows he hit enough roadblocks along the no way. No shit. <laughs> uh, so speaking yeah. of Patreon, we just did our uh, our monthly video review of Gerald's game. Mm-hmm. Gerald's game. Yep. Jerry's game. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Stephen King adaptations on Netflix, uh, ha- have you heard they're making In the Tall Grass? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, now you know. <laughs> Good. And knowledge, knowledge is power. Uh, I mean, I know I know the story exists. I don't really know much about it. I haven't read it. So, yeah. So you have no input. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry. What about, have you heard of the show Spike Face? No. It's, uh, it's from... Our boys from from Philadelphia, the Always Sunny crew. Oh yeah, they're making a animated short or animated. I don't know if it's a short, but it's going to be a series on rooster teeth. Apparently, they have their own streaming site now. Okay, 
but it's about a horror icon named Spike Face who murders this couple only to discover that they had a baby. So he brings the baby home to raise it as his own, which annoys his roommates who are also horror icons. <laughs> so it's like three men and a baby. That's exactly how it was described. It was three men and a horror baby with like Pinhead and Jason. <laughs> I could be into that. Yeah. I'm not paying five bucks a month for Rooster Teeth's streaming network, though. No, no, no. I'm not paying for any more streaming <laughs> I know. Cord cutting is getting really expensive. I know. It was supposed to be like the easy option, but now it's like, all I'm these paying, places paying for more than cable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, on top of the government trying to fuck us out of new, net neutrality, it's like, when does it end? Never. Never ends. I mean, I understand people got to get paid, but, you know, there's going to be a limit. Yeah. Especially if they have, like, limited offerings. It's like YouTube Red. I mean, they've got, like, a handful of shows. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how many of them are actually worth watching? But it's like 10 Cobra bucks a Kai. month. I, I, I want to watch Cobra Kai, but once I'm done with that, there's nothing. Ryan Hansen solves crimes on television. I mean, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just. You know. I have it, but only because I got Google Music and it's a combo package. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have it, then that's one thing, but, you know, just, that you have just it. so you have it. <laughs> Oh, basically what we're saying is look for Grave Plot TV, new streaming site coming out. Never. $14.99 a month. Yep. It's basically just a lot of stuff that we stole off the internet and our Facebook live videos. Yeah. And, you know, listening to us make John Mulaney jokes. <laughs> it's just our podcast with like an image. <laughs> oh, anything else? Before we just jump on into horror business? Yeah, let's just dive in. Okay. All right, starting out with some real world horror. Yeah? You think? Yeah. So we should do? Let's do it. Starting out with real world horror, like, like usual. This is what we do. We do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, you know, it's getting into be summertime, guys. And, you know, when we when we get into summer, people like to go to the beach. You know, play with the sand play in the sand. Maybe see some sea creatures like you know, some sea lions and some some clams and some jellyfish washed washed up on the beach. Or a giant fucking monster that washed up from the deep maybe (laughs) sure well that happened uh in the philippines guys in the oriental mindoro province uh so i guess the technical term is globster 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 like part lobster part glob yes (laughs) Um, it is the technical term for a unidentified sea creature. Um, well, so this big, fat, white, hairy lump. <laughs> Talking shit? <laughs> um, this thing washed up on the shore. It's uh, 20 feet long. It's very much dead. Um, 
It's around four feet wide at one end and two feet wide at the other with a grayish white color and it's covered in hair. Um, Imelda Maris, who was a mother of two, said, I've never seen anything like it. In God's name, I was shocked. <laughs> In God's name. Uh, the children were scared. It was a dead monster. Nobody knows what it is yet. Well, it's a globster. <laughs> you know, these things wash up on the beach, and it's like, it's like, what the fuck is it? It's like, there are depths of the ocean that human beings have not been to yet. And, you know... These things live down there, and we've never seen them before, but when they die, you know, they might get caught up in a current and washed up to, sh- you know, to the surface and inevitably up to shore. So it's not that strange, I guess. I mean, the idea that this might be some kind of unidentified monster or an alien or something, it's a or bit a of a jackal. <laughs> Is it a jackal? Um... Yeah, so uh, fishery law enforcement officer Vox. That's a cool name. Vox. I'm going to tell my wife her name and her kid Vox. Vox G. <laughs> Vox Crusada said, damn, it smells awful. <laughs> I'm just imagining Farouk. <laughs> damn. Damn. <laughs> it smells awful. It smells like something from another planet. How, what? what kind of statement is that? <laughs> How do you know what things from other planets even smell like? I sure as shit don't. Maybe they're very floral. Could be. Um, Maybe they smell like pink lemonade. I would say, damn, it smells awful. It smells like shit. (laughs) Smells like something from my butt. Or it's... Maybe your butt. (laughs) Maybe. It smells like a rotting nut sack. That's a rumble reference. (laughs) (laughs) Smells like my ass. (laughs) Or maybe your ass. Smells like sweaty, sour ass. (laughs) I will get you a new one pronto. That's what I would say. ASAP. I would have said, damn, it smells awful. It smells like sweaty, sour ass. <laughs> um, resident Tam Mailing said, the big globster is a sign of something bad coming. Please pray for us. Now that's a bit alarmist. That's a little hyperbolic. Yeah. Like, where are you getting that? <laughs> well, I mean, read the next one. Uh, Vin- Vincent De La Pina, De, De La Pe- Pina Badillo. <laughs> I see, what, is it Vincent? It could be Pina. It might be. Maybe she doesn't have the Pe- tilde. Pina Badillo. Vinny. Badillo added, it has been told that when creatures from the... It has been foretold. The prophecy has been foretold. It has been told when creatures from the deepest parts of the ocean start appearing, something bad will happen. <laughs> Good. You got all like biblical at the beginning there. Like, the prophecy has been foretold that when unknown creatures emerge from the deepest bowels of the earth, bad shit goes down. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> who says that? Yeah, who, who told? Yeah. <laughs> who said that? Who did it? What names? It's like Jeremy at the Wawa. <laughs> um. So, I mean, don't be afraid of globsters unless they try to eat you. I'm going to post a picture in the show notes so you guys can see what this thing looks like. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not, it looks gross, but it's not terrifying. Yeah. I mean, mainly because it's just a big dead lump of shit. <laughs> I will say if like all of a sudden the Philippines gets hit by like a, a 9.0 earthquake or something, then I'm going to start believing in the power of globsters. Yeah, well, then yeah. all of a sudden Vinny DP Badio. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like this might be a very well like a sign of like global warming. Because mm. it's like, you know. Fake news. <laughs> like the the depths of the ocean, you know, reaching, you know, temperatures that, temperatures and pressure that human beings can't survive. Um, you know, there are creatures that live even below that point. So when the oceans start to warm, it's like maybe that's just like, like, if we lived in a place where the temperature was like 150, yeah, it's like we wouldn't survive that. Our bodies would start to rot and get hairy and yeah, wet and white and globby, <laughs> globular, you might say. Yeah, I mean, this thing just looked like if you ever have seen like dog shit that started to get like moldy and white and, and furry. Yeah, it starts to look like it's getting furry and growing hair. That's what it looks like. Kind of, yeah. Except it's wet. I like I like an old banana. Yeah, exactly. Um, neat. So it's probably just a giant banana. It's probably just a giant banana. I mean, you just you don't see giant bananas very often. You just you don't expect them, right? <laughs> and the prophecy, you know, right. it's been foretold. It's been foretold. <laughs> So, one Mr. Guillermo del Toro, heard of him? I have, once yeah. or twice. He won an Oscar. Did he? Yeah. Well, good for him. For a little little uh, independent feature it called The Shape of Water. Yeah, from a tiny little production studio called Universal Studios. Yeah, heard of it. Uh, he's going to be teaming with... No, it wasn't Universal Studios. Was it not? I don't think so. Hmm. Anyways, he's going to be teaming with another small independent company uh, called Netflix. Heard of it? <laughs> uh, they're going to be starting a new series uh, called Guillermo del Toro Presents 10 After Midnight. It's going to be a collection of personally curated stories that are both equally sophisticated and horrific. Fox Searchlight. Facts. Right, because he they want Universal wanted him to do Creature from the Black Lagoon, and he basically said, "Fuck you." So naturally, that wouldn't be Universal, mm, right? So they're gonna have Kevin Smith do it instead, right? Uh, That'll go so well. So, GDT's new show is described as being a mix of Black Mirror and Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which makes sense with Guillermo del Toro presents. Yeah. And he's going to start every episode with "Good evening, cocksuckers." <laughs> you cocksuckers. <laughs> uh, each episode will feature a new tale because, like I said, it's an anthology, and that's how anthologies work. Oh. Some will be written and/or directed by Del Toro himself. Others will be directed by those handpicked by Del Toro. Can I make one? You can ask him. He'll probably call you a cocksucker. I can deal with that. <laughs> I'm in Culver's. Until you know. <laughs> um, That's what would sting. 
The, the, the no. <laughs> right. The rejection. <laughs> this is Del Toro's second collaboration with Netflix after making Troll Hunters. <laughs> uh, but this is his first uh, live action collaboration with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And this is also Netflix's first horror anthology series. Mm. I mean, one could argue that Black Mirror is. But Black Mirror didn't start as a Netflix original. That's true. I think is what they mean. That's true. That's true. It's on the BBC. <laughs> was it BBC? I think so. Or was it Channel 4? I thought it was Channel 4, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong, too. We're both pretty dumb. <laughs> like we, we often say things that we don't know the answer. We say a lot of dumb shit. <laughs> so, yeah, this could be cool. I've never could be cool. I mean, anybody who's listened to a lot of our, our show, because I think we've only done one Del Toro movie, uh, um, Crimson Peak. Right. It's true. Well, I mean, he doesn't. His movies aren't really horror. Is no. the thing they're they're monster movies, mm-hmm. but they're not particularly horror. Yeah, it's like you know, um, Pan's Labyrinth, um, Shape of Water, Shape, well, yeah, Shape of Water, Hellboy. I mean, I think the only one that would really qualify is uh, the Orphanage. Oh right, I actually forgot that was him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, his movies are fucking beautiful. Yeah. He's, he's an incredible director. Yeah, he's got I said a that. Great on eye. The last episode, you know, I finally watched The Shape of Water, and it's like, it was just so fucking gorgeous to look at. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I trust his eye for picking other people to do this. Yeah. So, but I, I would like to see some some episodes that are actually like scary, and not just like monster love stories. Yeah. And, you know, he produced uh, Mama, but Mama sucked. <laughs> and that was why I was so apprehensive with It when Muschietti came on. Yeah. Because fucking Mama was garbage. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, for the most part, trust his judgment. Um, I believe that he knows uh, what makes a good movie and what doesn't. Um, I'll probably be able to get Linda to watch this too, just because I mean she really liked Shape of Water, so yeah. I mean, yeah, Kristen likes the orphanage, um, and uh, she liked Shape of Water. I don't know if she's seen Mama or not. I mean, not that that's a GDT movie, but yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, they do say that they're going to be equally sophisticated and horrific. So I want to see some shit. Yeah, just you want to see some shit. Not like literal shit. I don't want. I just want. I don't want to watch like a monkey taking a shit. Just people eating for like shit half an hour. <laughs> just, just a just a monkey taking a shit for for two minutes, and it says Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> no episode. Wait, did you say that already? Nope. No episode count yet or premiere date. So that's a boner killer. Yep, we got we got no news for you. <laughs> this, this is happening. This is a non-story. Keep an eye out. <laughs> Sometime ever. <laughs> Sometime in time. <laughs> Just but not the past. Right. <laughs>
So, for what seems like fucking forever, uh, they've been talking about making a Zombieland 2. I feel like the 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 sequel thing has been, like, you know, they talked about doing a movie, and then they talked about doing a TV show. They made a TV show. They made a pilot. That's right. And it bombed. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. It was gonna suck. Wasn't it on Amazon? Yes. Yeah, that's... I think that was before second. Amazon. That was before released. Amazon really like busted into the into the the streaming show yeah. stratosphere. Yeah, I mean that was back when like they had like that and what was that show with John Goodman? There's like a bunch of like Republican congressmen that all lived in a house together, or something like that. <laughs> I have no idea. I never watched it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, well, the buzz is back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anybody still cares, do you? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, Zombieland 2 is coming at you next year, guys. Maybe. <laughs> That's what they said. Um, a lot of people say a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vulture was had a sit-down with uh, writers Rhett Reese. <laughs> Rutt-row? <laughs> uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Or Wernick. I think they were just talking about Deadpool 2, and then this just, just like came up. Oh, could be. Um, he said, uh, we're going on the 10th anniversary of Zombieland. Zombieland came out in October of 2009. We don't know what you get somebody for the 10th anniversary, but it may be a Zombieland 2. See, he gave himself an out. <laughs> he said May. And and B. <laughs> Which forms? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, the hope is that we're shooting the thing early in, uh, in early 2019 for an October 19 release uh, with the original cast, by the way. Has he talked to the original See, cast? See, that makes that? it seem like it's a little more concrete. It makes it sound like he's already got commitments from Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, but Emma Stone, is it? Abigail Breslin, Emma Stone's Bill a- Murray. No, he's dead. <laughs> Emma Stone's Spoilers. is an Oscar winner, isn't she? Is she? Didn't she win an Oscar for La La Land? La La Land? She might have. Sounds like a thing that could have happened. <laughs> In this Oscars be so white world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could swear she did, but I mean, I could be wrong. I think she won a Tony for Turn Up the Beef. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. <laughs> um, you know, Abigail, Abigail Breslin is, you know, building a career for herself. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor now, as much as we may not want him to be. What's Abigail Breslin been in? Uh, the remake to Dirty Dancing? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what is she? I mean, God, what was she in She was in Fear, Inc. Fear for Inc. For five minutes? Fear, Inc. Yeah, the one we watched with Wisdom. God, I don't remember it. <laughs> I've blinked it out. Pretty sure you liked it. Did I? Wow. It had that guy from Raising Arizona? Or Raising Hope? Oh, right. She was in that? Yeah, she was the boss at the very beginning. And she got killed right away. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and she was on Scream Queens. That's something, That's I guess. true. And she was in Maggie, but that was a few years ago now. Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as what she's done in like the last year... Or two? I can't think of anything. Yeah. You know she's dating David Beckham's son? I, I didn't know. Now you know. 
Funny. Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Bully for her. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, uh, who was this? This was Paul Wernick said, uh, is it Wernick or Wernick? I have no idea. One of them crazy German looking names. Uh, he said, we are Hans sitting. Hans <laughs> He said, we are sitting on. Uh, on information that we can't entirely share at this moment, but we can just say that we think fans of Zombieland who have been hoping for a Zombieland 2 so maybe they still exist, I don't know um, that will grant their wish we will grant their wish very, very soon so like like October of 2019-ish I think that's kind of what they're yeah, aiming, aiming <laughs> towards um, it's, uh, it will not take place directly after the first that seems a little obvious at this point. One would think. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Abigail Breslin, or he, he continued on, Abigail Breslin is nine years older than she was in Zombieland. Uh, she was just a, a little one. She was a wee lass. A, a litlin. Um, uh, nine, or, nine years older than she was in Zombieland, so it won't be happening directly after. Can't say beyond that. They pointed out in a Reddit AMA. So um, it probably takes, take place like about like 10 years later, maybe. You'd have to you have to guess that, yeah. But how, <clears throat> how realistic is it that people would survive for that long? Yeah, it was like, what have they been doing for the past ten years? Yeah. I mean, do we do we have an accurate time line that Walking Dead is at post apocalypse? I mean, I know it's been what eight years since the series started, but is it actually eight years into the future? I don't know. I mean, because you know they're dealing with kids, you know. Carl, for instance, he's clearly older, but I mean, is he supposed to be eight years older? I mean, it, I, I don't, it's never really addressed. They don't really say like what kind of passage of time there's been. Yeah, I mean, they they always speak in generalities, like you know, all these years, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, days gone by. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just I think it's really unrealistic that people that aren't like highly trained. <laughs> could survive in a zombie apocalypse for right. 10 years. I don't know. Tallahassee's a badass. Yeah, but that only goes so far. He's also fucking crazy. And I mean, eventually you're going to run out of food. Eventually you're going to run out of Twinkies. Right. <laughs> Especially when Hostess went tits up, you know. Did Hostess go tits up? Yeah, man. I don't read the business section. That was years ago. Oh. Like It was a big thing. It's like, no more Twinkies, no more Ho-Hos. Oh, that does sound familiar. But then didn't somebody buy Twinkies? Yeah, somebody bought the brand and all the recipes and stuff, and they started making them again. Started turning up the old uh, factory. Yeah. Like Wonka. Exactly like Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Zombieland 2, guys, maybe next year. We'll see. Probably not. But who knows? It, but it could happen. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. With the original cast, by the way. Maybe. <laughs> not. <laughs> And with an, a 10-year-old, or 10, 10 years older Abigail Breslin. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jesse Eisenberg always kind of struck me as kind of a prick. Really? I, yeah, I don't know. I just got that impression from him. And now it's like, I feel like he might be like, no, I'm I'm Lex Luthor now. I'm not going to be in this movie. <laughs> in this silly little movie. Your silly little zombie movie. Yeah, and Emma Stone's going to be like, no, I'm dancing now. I, I dance with Ryan Gosling now. That's what I do. <laughs> Stop me. Stop me from talking. <laughs> All right. Next story. Shame, shame, see me 
All right, so I think we've officially gotten to the point where they're done remaking good movies and they're just taking whatever they can find now. Which is what we've been saying the whole time. <laughs> uh, they're apparently, the, the next one on the, on the block is The Changeling. Uh, this comes according to The Hollywood Reporter, a studio called Cornerstone Films, who has made, check this, exactly zero feature films. Mm. Along with German, That's a good run. <laughs> along with German production company X Film, are looking to bring this spectral classic back to life. Um, Mark Stephen Johnson, who wrote Ghost Rider, that's fine. I like Ghost Rider. <laughs> is set to write and direct the, the remake. Uh, it's going to follow musician Joe Carmichael, who returns to his childhood home after the death of his young daughter. He soon finds out that the house is haunted by the ghost of a child and begins to uncover a truly terrifying family secret. Unlike the original, which took place here in Seattle, uh, this one will take place in Venice. Not Venice, California. Yeah, Venice, Venice, Italy. 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 That's, that's quite the change. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, like, is this not a an American film studio? Well, I mean, the production company is German. I guess. I don't know where Cornerstone Films is from, though. But, I mean, the guy's name is Joe Carmichael. He's yeah. clearly an American. Or at least, like, maybe a Brit. Yeah, you would think that, uh, I mean, he's. I assume he's going to be playing an American who's in Venice for whatever reason. He's a musician. I would Which guess. means, I don't I don't know, like, that. that's such a vague term, too. Is he, like, a cellist in the New York Philharmonic? Or is he, like, a rock star? I don't know. I don't know that I've actually seen The Changeling. I feel like I have not seen all of it. Pretty sure I've seen part of it, but I don't know that I've seen the whole thing. Sweet. Which is not a good sign. <laughs> uh, Joel Michaels, who produced the original from the 80s, uh, is going to be producing again. He said, it is rare if not a... Sorry, let me start again. It is a rare, if not unique, privilege to be able to remake The Changeling, a film that I developed and produced many years ago. I loved the bones of the story then, and with today's technology, it allows us to reset the stage for an even more exciting interpretation by relocating the film to Italy, where the mood and ambiance of Venice will virtually be an added mysterious character in the film. So there you go. That's why. All right. Plus, they're going to be filming in Venice starting early next year, which is probably a lot cheaper. That's probably the real reason. <laughs> I heard that Venice smells like ass. Really? Like sour, sweaty ass? Yep. <laughs> My wife said that Venice uh, just is gross. Just like it's disgusting. Really? Yeah. She said the canal smells like shit. I, I can believe that. People just be throwing garbage in there. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah. So, so are, you, are know, you hyped on some new changeling? Or? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I got to watch the original. Maybe if I watch the original, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I could be interested in like, a remake. It's one of those movies that like, everyone talks about, but mm -hmm. never really like gives an opinion on. It's just like, yeah, The Changeling, that's a movie. <laughs> that's a thing that existed. Like, have you seen The Changeling? I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> or like, you know, it's it's something that gets referenced a lot yeah. on, on other TV shows. But it's like, oh, it's, it's like that scene in The Changeling. You're like, oh. Maybe we should watch it in the next episode and be like, hey, we watched The Changeling. And then, and then just move on. Go on. <laughs> We might have to do that. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. That's all we got on Changeling. I don't give a shit. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> This is kind of a weak news cycle, huh? Yeah, it kind of is. Okay, well, Hulu has been really upping their game lately, just across the board. Yeah. You know, they've been, um, you know, they've they've always been the place to go to watch post-air date CBS. No, not mostly just CBS. Pretty much anything but CBS. That's right, CBS has its own thing now. Yeah. NCW. CW used to be on there, but not anymore, because now you have to go to their shitty website to watch it. Um, anyway, uh, but, you know, a lot of uh, post-air date um, network shows, they've been really pulling in some, like, well-known movie titles, uh, as opposed to what they used to have, which is for me just, like, Criterion Collection movies. And a lot of anime. Yeah. I like yeah, I mean like their live action movies were like things from like the fifties. Yeah, like like movies from the fifties from Japan. Yeah, Man, I don't care. I don't yeah, even know what this is. I don't want to see that. Anyway, um, but they've also been developing some, in, in, you know, in, in recent years, developing some original series. Um, uh, what they have? Well, they had uh, that Deadbeat show. Oh right. Um, I know they they. Picked up the Mindy Project when Fox dropped mm-hmm. it. Um, has she made you watch that? Nope. It's awful. Really? Like I can't stand Mindy Kaling. I'm not a huge fan either. Um, yeah, it's just bad. It's a bad show. <laughs> I mean, I saw it when it was on TV. I didn't. I haven't seen it since it moved to Hulu, though. Oh, I mean, it's the same shit. It's oh. it's still bad. I don't like Ike Barinholtz either. Really? Yeah. Like I I like Ike Barinholtz and. I mean, there are a few people on there that are funny people, but the show as a whole is just dog shit. Mm. It's bad. It's bad shit. writing. Um. Anyway, but so in keeping with that tradition, uh, Hulu has been has moved into the supernatural thriller game. Oh, with a new <laughs> oh, with a new series called Light as a Feather. Now, at Crypticon, Seth M. Sherwood said that he was working on a project called Light as a Feather, but I don't know if this is it. It doesn't sound like it's the same thing. So he might have a different project that's called the same thing that he might need to change the name of. <laughs> Hulu beat him to it. Um, it's based on a story by author Zoe Ar- Arnson? Aronson? Arson? Hmm? Arson? Arson. Tell me how to pronounce that. It looks like arson to me. <laughs> It's either arson or airson. Airson, yeah. A A R S E N. Yeah. Uh, the story follows five teenage girls as they deal with the supernatural fallout stemming from an innocent game of light as a feather, stiff as a board. You just shouldn't mess with that black magic. Mm-mm. Um, when the girls start dying off in the exact way that was predicted, the survivors must figure out why they're being targeted and whether the evil force hunting them down is one of their own. Spoopy. This sounds like Blumhouse bullshit. It sounds, yeah, like a bad version, like The Craft or something. <laughs> like it sounds a lot like Truth or Dare. <laughs> um, Arnson, 
Aronson. There's no N. Stop adding an N. Arson. Arson. Let's say arson. 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 Arsonist. Um, when I f- she said, uh, when I first joined Wattpad. What is that? I don't know. You wrote this? Is it a J.J. Watt thing? Something yeah, probably. J.J. Watt made. Do you know that guy? Fucking J.J. Watt, he paid for all of the funerals for the Santa Fe I high saw school that. kids. That's fucking solid. Yeah. <laughs> I told my wife. Well, she she told me that, and she, I'm like, oh well, that's cool. I mean, you know, it's it's cool of him to do that. Yeah, it's not cool it's, that he needs to do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I fucking hate pretty much everything Texas, but he's a solid guy. Well, he's from Wisconsin, so no, there's, there's that. Wisconsin people are nice. Hi, Lance. <laughs> um, uh, where did I leave off? Uh, when I first joined Wattpad, I set out set out to create something unique. Exploring characters in a world where female empowerment, friendship, and supernatural forces come together. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Wattpad is a place where people come together and connect over stories, discussing every twist and cliffhanger. So it was the perfect platform for my story. So that's what Wattpad is. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I still don't fully understand it, but... It sounds like maybe like a... I don't know. Like, like a, a collaborative blogging or something? Yeah, it sounds like yeah, just online short stories. Maybe. Wattpad is a community for readers and writers to publish new user-generated stories in different genres, including classics, general fiction, historical fiction, nonfiction, poetry, spiritual humor, and teen fiction. There's a lot of fiction in there. This is kind of everything. I've seen that logo before. I don't know where, but... Hmm. Anyway. Um... Teen horror is my passion, so I can't wait to... Be able to share share light as a feather with other horror aficionados on Hulu. Teen horror. <laughs> oh no! Why would teen horror be anyone's passion? I don't know. Blumhouse. <laughs> um, the new series is the latest collaboration between Awesomeness TV. Well, that's a cool name. <laughs> Awesomeness. Yep. And Hulu. Following the horror series Freakish. Did you ever watch that? No. Me neither. Cool story. <laughs> Have you seen The Changeling? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, me too. All right, bye. <laughs> Big gulps, huh? <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. I got shit to say to you. <laughs> um, productions is slated to begin on this new teen horror series in June. So, you know, get pumped for that, guys. Or don't. Because yeah, what this world needs is more teen horror. Whatever. All right, so uh, the screenwriter behind Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. So, you know, the best one. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, He is working on an anthology of true story supernatural films. The first of which is, I believe, already wrapped, and it's called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Oh, 
No, honey, no. Oh, strap in. It gets worse. <laughs> uh, first of all, it stars Hillary Duff. So mm. there's that. Mm. Um, as mm. Sharon Tate, uh, pregnant, and shows her experiencing paranormal activity in the days leading up to her murder at the hands of the Manson family. Oh, sweetie. Oh, honey, baby doll. <laughs> W-Y-D. Uh, now, like I said, it gets worse, so hold on to your butts. His next one will star Mina Savari as Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh, my goodness. It's called The Haunting of Nicole Brown Simpson. This is going to make so many people angry. Uh, what's it about, you ask? <laughs> Shortly after ending her marriage to famed football star O.J. Simpson, Nicole sought refuge in the company of her inner circle. When her intimate relationship with interior designer Faye Resnick soured, Nicole crossed paths with an enigmatic handyman named Glenn Rogers. Wait, who are these people? I don't know. (laughs) Faye Resnick? Is that somebody that we're supposed to know? I don't think so. Moving from one clandestine relationship to another, Nicole began a brief but torrid affair with Glenn before before quickly discovering his darker side. After Nicole witnesses Glenn carrying on a bizarre conversation with an unseen entity named Charlie, he attacks her and flees into the night. After Glenn's sudden disappearance, Nicole's life goes into a tailspin. She begins hearing and seeing things that aren't there. A dark apparition haunts her at every turn. Alone in her house one night, she is brutally attacked by a violent, unseen force. Oh, no. Increasingly paranoid and concerned for her safety, Nicole seeks the help of the police, her therapist, and even a renowned psychic, but they provide no comfort. Oh, boy. This is such a bad idea. On the evening of June 12th, 1994, Nicole makes the decision to confront whatever negative energy is consuming her life, unaware that the stage has already been set for her dark date with destiny. Oh, no. What are they doing? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Dan Farrens, who is the screenwriter in question. I feel like the Browns are going to be really upset. Here's his justification. I think people are assuming it's about ghosts haunting Nicole. Well, you know, when you write a description that says ghosts are haunting Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really about an actual serial killer and the dark passenger he brings into her world. Wow. One that insidiously infects those around her, including her murderer. Mm. Is he implying that OJ was possessed? I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean, like. whoever killed Nicole Brown Simpson? I mean, if OJ did if it. If OJ did it, was he possessed? <laughs> oh, oh dear. It is actually a very sympathetic portrayal of Nicole in her final days. Obviously, it is a controversial subject, but I think people will be surprised by the approach to the story and the questions it raises not only about this horrible tragedy, but about the epidemic of domestic violence against women. I'm glad that it's a sympathetic portrayal of a murder victim. I mean, you don't want to make a murder victim look like a villain. Right. (laughs) Uh, For some reason, Voltage Pictures has decided to pick this up, um, and they are currently presenting it at at con who told them this was a good idea potential distributors and you're probably having very little luck (laughs) but it's it's like i gotta imagine this guy probably said mentioned this to some friends and family members while high (laughs) did did somebody actually say that sounds like it could be cool you should write that man (laughs) oh my Goodness. I mean, nobody stopped him from writing Halloween 6. So. That's true. 
Oh man, what's next? A like, lot of bad decisions. He wants. He wants to make this an anthology. Like, what's next? The haunting of Anna Nicole Smith. Ooh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's something you definitely don't want to dig into. I don't think any of this is something you want to dig into. Well, it I hasn't mean, stopped him yet. I mean, particularly somebody with some serious psychological issues. Well, yeah. Like implying that they were haunted. How about the haunting of Joy Butterfuko over here? <laughs> Butterfuko over here. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> Only if Jim Carrey's playing it. <laughs> uh, so that's horror business. That's going to do it. And, um, you know, from here, we only have one place else to go. Up. Or down. I mean, knowing us. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to launch into some film reviews. kids well we've got a couple of fresh fresh movies for you are they certified fresh no (laughs) um but no two movies that are actually still in theaters um taylor yes what do you want to start with let's start with bad samaritan happy birthday mother Sean, is that Amber? I got a good deal through a lady at work. Really? You stole digital cameraman? You still use these? Absolutely. I love this one. Crazy to think what you could do if you did this for your full-time job. Just a poor, struggling artist. Enjoy your dinner, sir. See you in 10 minutes, brother. That's a beautiful car, sir. Yeah, don't touch it. Navigating home. Oh, you beauty. Yo, talk to me. Black car. Shut up, Doc, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything cool on your end, yeah? They're just getting their salads now, man. Be right up. Dude, the guy's outside. Where the hell are you? Uh, I'm sorry. Visions. He's got a girl chained up. What were you doing at this guy's house? I was robbing him. Sir, so we're investigating a girl chained up in the office. Sorry to disappoint you. You're gonna stay on him, right? You're gonna keep searching for the girl? Stop harassing him. Oh! What's wrong? We're not safe. None of us. It's all good. I got your back. You're crazy. You know that. Crazy people get caught. You know why you're not in their little jail right now? You're in mine. He's gonna kill us. 
gets you out of here. All right, so Bad Samaritan is a uh, brand new movie, still in theaters as we speak. Um, I don't know, judging by how many people are in the theater when we went, probably not for much longer. How many? Uh, there was us, and then like five other people. When I went, there was four lone dudes. Not not together? No, just like me, and then another guy, and then another guy, and then one other guy. So four, four lone dudes. Four lone dudes. <laughs> um, I mean, that struck me as weird, I guess, because it got a lot of marketing. I mean, like, you see commercials for it all the time. Really? I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw commercials on TV all the time, So, I, I, which surprised me because when I first heard of it, I thought it was just going to be kind of like an underground, not underground, but like an indie thing that wouldn't get a lot of publicity, but seeing it all over the fucking place um anyway so this movie stars david tennant and uh robert Robert, scrooge mcduck himself right or the 10th doctor if you're nasty um (laughs) uh and uh robert sheehan who is sheehan sheehan um who's been in a handful of stuff that i'm not particularly familiar with what i know him from was misfits the, uh, That's this is the the main kid, yeah, um, Sean. Um, so Sean, who is an Irish immigrant, um, is takes place in Portland, Oregon, um, and actually filmed there. Oh, was it? I was wondering. I mean, I mean, obviously the opening scene is. I know at one pan point. past the the old town sign, but. Yeah, I mean, I know at one point they drive past, or like he, um, he's driving in his car and he drives past a uh, Fred Meyer. So mm. it was up here somewhere. He's driving along. He's driving, he's along. driving along. Um. Anyway, so the story takes place around Sean and uh, starts out with his buddy Derek, um, who work for a um, they either work for a valet company or operate their own valet company. I couldn't really get a grip on it. It kind of like they were like contractors or something. Could be. Yeah, I mean, they didn't work for the restaurant directly. But their valet company is a bit of a ruse because they actually got a pretty ingenious little grift going on where they'll take people's cars and, you know, people will gladly hand over their keys to the valet guy and from there they will um dig through the glove box find an insurance registration or you know some kind of licensing to get a home address take the car home and you know people will keep their garage door openers in their car so they'll drive to the person's home open up their garage and pull in like like nothing's wrong and just go loot the place then they'll bring the car back, and the owners are none the wiser. And apparently this has been a thing that's been going well for them for quite some time because um, Sean has been able to finance a living from this. Um, he managed to lift a pretty nice ring to give his mom. Um, and uh, Some stamps. Yeah. A photo of a gift card. A Timex. Um, which actually the photo of the 
of the gift card was actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't have to steal it to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, so that's kind of their grift. Um, and uh, I mean, he's not living well by any means. He's, no, it looks like he lives in some shitty. He lives little, in like a mother-in-law. Yeah, like above a garage. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and he's he's an aspiring photographer. Um, but uh, he doesn't. But he doesn't want to work for the man, right? So he uh, I mean, is he, the guy his dad or his stepdad? Stepdad. Okay, because he has his last name. Right. I mean, I. I think probably a lot of kids take their step. It depends on how old you are, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was like, I got a job for you as a photographer. He's like, damn the man. Yeah, but it was like, I don't want to work in your button-down suit-and-tie world, man. It sounded like the job was taking um, photos for fast food restaurant menus. <laughs> I miss that. So... I mean, not the most glamorous job, but I mean, it sounded like something my dad would say. It's like, it's a job doing exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's a foot in the door. Um, But, you know, some people just don't have enough foresight for that. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, he's also got himself a girlfriend um, named <laughs> uh, Riley. Um, and... Um, She's cutie. She was. She was cute. She talks like an old lady though. Like like not like a like not like an old lady, but like like old timey sayings. Cause like when when he meets her at the school, she's like, Oh, what's going on, my darling? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And you know, I chalked that up to just some maybe shabby script writing. Maybe. Um because then she's like, Oh, well, I have this presentation I have to do. I'll be done in 90 minutes. 90 minutes? You mean an hour and a half? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so kind of where the story takes off is... And you see one titty. You see a boob. One titty out. (laughs) Yeah, I like, you know, in the the rating block, you see in like commercials and stuff, it did say brief nudity. And so it's like I went into that. I'm like, you know, seems like nowadays whenever it says brief nudity, nudity, it's, it's like a man ass. <laughs> it's always a man ass. It seems like if it's like a, even just a female ass, it's like just nudity. Yeah. But with male ass, it's brief, brief nudity. <laughs> um. So yeah, I went in That's there. That's why they call them briefs. Ah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I went in there just expecting like to see like she hands ass or something, but no, I got you were bit. hoping for tenants ass, weren't you? Oh, totally, man. <laughs> I want to see that narrow bony ass, that narrow limey ass. He's Scottish, actually. Oh, that makes sense then if he Scrooge McDuck. Man, I was watching the new Ducktales yesterday. Yeah, that shit's good, is it? Yeah, I gotta check it out. It's got a killer cast. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda's in it. Really? Yeah, I don't think he's a regular, but he was like he was on at least one episode. Huh. Um, anyway, so, uh, Sean and Derek are working their hustle out in front of an Italian restaurant. Um, and was it, was it called like Mimi's or something? Uh, Meme, memes, Nemo's or something like that. No, no's. I mean, it was the, the owner of the, the guy that owned the restaurant. That was his name. Um, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. 
Why'd you even bring it up, fucker? <laughs> I don't know, because I thought it was something funny. Um. Anyway, so they're just doing the, the usual thing. Um, and uh, in, off in the distance, they can hear the roar of just a really badass engine. And up comes this Maserati. And that's when uh, David Tennant st- steps out as uh, Kale Enderick. Aaron Drake. Aaron Drake. That's what yeah. it was. Um, and um, he's just talking on his phone. And uh, he's a real dick. Oh, he's a prick, like right off the bat. So he's just kind of like, so I guess like right before that, um, Sean has like kind of a conflict of uh, conscience where, you know, this family pulls up in their car. Uh, it's like a Land Rover. So Derek's like, man, they drive a fucking Land Rover. They're loaded. And Sean's just like, we're not fucking with any families. They have too much to lose. It's 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 cruel. Um, so Kale pulls up, talking on his phone, barely acknowledges that Sean and De- Derek exist. You know, Derek's just like, hey, man, that's a really nice car. And he's like, yeah, don't fucking, don't fucking touch, touch it. it. <laughs> um, and uh, so... That's what Sean just like, okay, yeah, this is my bitch. Yep. And he gets in and just... He tells Sean not to sweat. <laughs> He's like, don't sweat in my car. Yeah, and like he smells the... Because they were uh, um, smoking pot. like Smoking a doobie. <laughs> smoking a doobie. Um, like right before that, and he gets out. He's basically just saying, yeah, don't, don't sweat in my car. It's paddle shifter, so don't... Um, don't tweak on it like it's handlebars or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, and he's like smells him and he says, and if you fucking smoke in my car or, you know, like threatens him for smoking his car. I can't yeah. remember exactly what he says. but You know who he reminds me of in this movie? Mm. A young Charlie Sheen. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he's not really young. He's <laughs> I know, but it's just like Charlie Sheen when he was younger. He doesn't remind me of Charlie Sheen now. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, so like Sean, he reminds me of Charlie Sheen when he called Denise Richards the N word. <laughs> that that era, <laughs> before he started taking the tiger blood. Yeah, that was like right before he went off the cliff. <laughs> I think that was like that was the the tipping point where he was leaning over the cliff. Right, that was the point. As soon as the the N word came out of his mouth, he was like, "Oh, yep, there he goes." <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Sean gets in the car and, and takes off on it in it and um, fires up the like the in dash navigation and uh, just pegs in home. And the guy, the guy lives three minutes away. Yeah, it's like why didn't you just call an Uber? I fucking walk. Yeah, it's like I would not risk taking my Maserati out on a public street to For go a, a three few minute drive. Um, yeah, so like I call a fucking Uber, a taxi or something. Yeah. <laughs> Take a fucking bus. Anyway, but he, uh, he takes this guy's home and, uh, opens up his garage and right off the bat, you can see that Kale is, um, like hyper OCD. Like mm-hmm. everything is perfectly organized. Everything has its own little place everything has a place and everything in its place although he had this no a place for everything what's that saying place for everything and everything in its place is that right sounds right but he, he like has this pegboard of all his tools 
just immaculately laid out. And like, I was kind of jealous because I, <laughs> I kind of wish mine was that organized. Um, you wish you were all pegged like that? Yeah, I love pegging. <laughs> um, anyway, so he uh, he goes into the house. And I mean, I, you don't live in a house, but I mean, you lived in a house at one point. Did you guys keep, or I guess, did you ever live in a house with an attached garage? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Then maybe you wouldn't have an answer for this then. When I was growing up, we always kept the do- garage door locked. Like the door that went out to the garage, mm-hmm. it was always locked. Um, and uh, so it's like even if somebody got into the, the garage itself, they wouldn't be able to get into the house because the door was fucking locked. But in both this family's house that Derek broke into and Kale's house. Well, the cop even says to the the mother of the family, he's like, a lot of people forget to lock the door. I forget to lock mine all the time. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> bullshit. I lock mine every fucking time. Especially if I'm that fucking rich. Yeah. It's like sometimes I, like if I'm just going out to the garage and coming back in, like I'll unlock it, open it, and lock it and just leave the door open. But I mean, at the same time, they have the keys. It's true. <laughs> That's right. I guess he did do that at Kale's house, didn't he? Uh, I think he did, yeah. Yeah, okay. But that's the thing. That's why cars, like especially newer cars, come with a valet key. One that doesn't have like a fob on it. Mm. One that only operates the ignition. It doesn't operate the glove box. It doesn't operate the trunk. It only turns the ignition. Um, and it's just for like when you're getting, like when you're having a valet or you're getting your oil changed or something like that. Yeah. You just give them the valet key and then they can't fuck with your shit. Can't get into your glove box and find out your address. Right. Um anyway, um and I also but Kale like, did not have an alarm. No, and that was what was weird. Because when you find out what a nut he is about everything, how like compulsive he is about everything being in its place and um you know having uh, practically a photographic memory of everything being in a certain spot and no alarm system. But it was like a smart house, so he could look everything up on his phone. Yeah, I mean, he had he had a, like a camera system, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, but it didn't record. N- I mean, no, maybe he it would. It would only. Well, he had the ability to rewatch things. So, oh, that's true. Regardless, it's just seemed a little too easy for him to get in there, into the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for someone who's doing what he's doing, even more so. You'd think he'd maybe lock, put things a little more locked down. Um, because, so, Sean gets into the house, he starts rooting around, he finds an unactivated, unactivated, inactivated? Wouldn't be deactivated. No. Unactivated, I guess. Yeah. Unactivated black card. They never say American Express. They just say black card. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's like in it's in like that day's mail. So like Kale doesn't even know it exists. So, um, but it was open. Hmm? It was open. No, he opened it. I'm pretty sure the envelope was unopened, and he just or it was open, and he just like folded the thing back. I don't know. Whatever. Um, 
Yeah, so he's just he starts rooting around the house, just find trying to find something to steal. He, he gets the black card, and basically he calls Derek, and he and Derek are just like, "This is it." I mean, we can go buy a dozen iPhones tonight, and this is like the score. Like, we don't need to do anything else. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Sean goes into Kale's bedroom. Which is just a bad idea. Sean is a bad thief. He is. And it's like Derek goes into this family's house. He puts on booties. He puts on gloves. And he's very careful about making sure he's not moving a lot of things around. Except when the whole thing goes to shit. And he drops everything in the hallway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, Sean just goes in. No gloves. No booties. Touching everything. Moving everything. Yeah, because Sean tells him, oh, to activate the black card, you have to call from his phone. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Sean just grabs his phone, starts putting DNA all over it. Yeah, we have fingerprints, and you know he doesn't clear the number, which comes back to bite him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he he starts wandering through the rest of the house, and he finds this door that has got like a really heavy duty lock on it. None of the other doors do, just this one. And so naturally, the key for this door would be on his just normal key chain that <laughs> that he gave to a valet <laughs> uh, there's some poor choices in this movie there are um so yeah he he gives him the uh, or he he opens the door and he sits down at this computer um which i guess doesn't really have anything open on it right no, it was, it was the computer said, itself was unlocked, so he was trying to run a code or something to get his passwords. Right. Yeah, he's looking for a password file, but then he finds a checkbook, so he starts taking pictures of the check, and when he lights the flash, holy shit, in the background, there's a girl that is bound and gagged in the corner of the room. So Sean flips out a little bit, and um, he goes and he pulls the gag out of the girl's mouth, and she just says, you know, you can't undo these chains because you know everything's bolted to the floor. They're are heavy gauge chains. You're not gonna just be able to cut them off. And it's the one key that's not on the keychain. Yeah, he says, "Where is the key?" He says, "It's on a leather rope around his neck." <laughs> um, and so it's about that time, about this time when Kale comes out of the restaurant, and so Derek starts losing his mind because. The car is still gone, and Sean is currently in Kale's house. So he's telling Sean, "You need to get the fuck back here." You know, he's he's done. He's he's waiting for his car. Um, and he's like saying, "There's a girl in here. She's she's bound and gagged. She's been kidnapped, and you know, we got to get her out of here. We got got to help her." And, and uh, Derek's just like, "You know, you need to get back here because he wants his car now, and he's gonna know something's up." So he goes and he grabs a pair of bolt cutters and tries to cut through the bolts or through the chains and just no luck. Um, and uh, basically he has no choice. He says, I'm sorry. I, 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 and he just, he puts everything back where it goes um, and backs out of the room, locks it up and, and bolts. Naturally this weighs on his conscience. <laughs> So he tries to he tries a bunch of different avenues to report Kale, but Kale is, is on to him because he noticed um, that his bed sheets were ruffled. He pulls up the last call on his. He'd moved the phone too. Yeah, 
she pulls up the he pulls up the last call on his phone and dials it and it's the card activation line and he knows that he didn't make that call so he goes for or he goes, what does he do checks security cameras uh yeah i guess i don't remember exactly but or he goes into the room the the office where the girl is and looks around and sees nothing's been changed forget where it went from there. It's been almost a week since I've seen it, so I'm kind of pulling from memory here. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> Details aren't important, I guess. So from here, Sean, um, basically he he's kind of made it his mission. Like, I have to save this girl because nobody else will. And um, Kale, through, who is just endlessly rich, uh, he's just got a fortune from family uh, that has given him a lot of um, access to, um, you know, trackers and, and just the ways to trace him. So he knows who he is. He knows who his family is. He knows who his girlfriend, girlfriend is. Yeah. He knows who Derek is. So Kale is just invading his life. Meanwhile, Sean is trying to tell people what's going on and nobody fucking believes him. Oh, yeah, because he calls the cops, and the cops actually go out there, and he's already got another woman in, at his place. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, I guess this was who the woman was. Let's go get some food. Yeah. And that's that's when this movie starts to get a little generic, because Sean is tr- actively trying to report a crime, a kidnapping and false imprisonment, and he goes and he's talking to this Portland detective, saying, this girl is bound and gagged and been kidnapped at this address. Go to this house and look. And the, the cop is like, I think you're smoking pot. Yeah. And so he thinks that like this girl that he's taking a picture of is just maybe his ex-girlfriend and, you know, Kale's banging her now and, you know, this is his, her, his way of getting back at them or something. And so basically he just, he's absolutely resistant to believe anything that, Sean has to say. And he does actually ultimately go out to Kale's house, but Kale just throws up this smoke screen, which there's a paper thin story. Like this cop is like the worst fucking detective oh, on yeah. the planet. Cause he doesn't do any detecting. Right. He just kind of says, well, you know, did you kidnap a girl? No, no. Okay. Well, my, you know, like a liar. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There's your Mulaney quote. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get one in. Um, and, uh, he says, yeah, all right, well, my work's done here. <laughs> and then, um, I asked him and he said, no, what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I just watched that today. <laughs> um, so Sean is just losing his fucking mind and he's trying to figure out a way that he can rescue this girl himself since he can't seem to get any assistance from the police. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he kind of wrestled with it for a while and decided, you know, he, he's telling Derek, it's like, I have to go, I have to go to the police. I have to tell somebody. And Derek's like, you will go to jail because you broke into this guy's house. What do you, I mean, what are you going to tell them that, that you just happened to see her or it's like, they're going to wonder why you were in his house. And he says, I, I'll, I'll leave you out of it, but and I, I know I'll go to jail, but this is the right thing to do. Which is a little unbelievable, but 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people tend to become thieves because they don't have a conscience. <laughs> um. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, he ends up going to the FBI because the, the local cops are fucking worthless. Yeah, and that's where things also get a little convenient and a little poorly written because there's this FBI agent that just happens to have been tracing this case from years ago in another state and just happens to know everything about this person that Kale used to be. Um, and you find out, yeah, his, his backstory and just all this shit. And, and it's like, I mean, I'm not really spoiling anything. I mean, you know who Kale is from the get-go that he's, you know, he's actually got this girl cap held captive and, um, you know, Sean is trying to figure out a way to rescue her and trying to get somebody on his side to believe him. But Kale has just basically enveloped his life and it's just destroy destroying elements of his life bit by bit. Well, he tells him straight up. He's like, I kept you out of jail. Because he, you know, he could have sent him to jail for for breaking his house. I kept you out of jail because I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, he's like, you're in my jail. He says, I'm going to correct you. Yeah, yeah. His his whole thing's got a real wrath of God biblical thing to it. But also horses. Yeah. Um, this weird equestrian messiah thing. Yeah. At one point, he even says, "I am the messiah." Yeah. Um, and you know, when you get to his backstory, that's just kind of dumb. It is kind of weird. Um, yeah, like his, his motivation, like what made him the way he is. It's just like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, but that seems a little excessive for that. <laughs> um, anyway, that's kind of, I mean, that's basically the story. Yeah. I don't want to get into any spoilers so um what do you think it's it's pretty good yeah it's it's you know nothing to write home about like you said a lot of it is very generic very like you you watch it and you're like i've seen this movie Mm -hmm. exactly i did find it funny that he was on burners like just every time he would call uh sean he'd be on a different phone Mm -hmm. and he would just throw it out the window yeah (laughs) He threw it out the window, the window, the second story window. I threw it on the ground. Um, yeah. I'm kind of the same boat. It's like, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, th- I mean, I thought in the movie as a whole was good. It's just little plot details were dumb. Yeah. And poorly crafted. Like the whole FBI thing. And like this... This just generic typecast, like hardened police detective who's like impossible to convince of any real crimes going on. So it's like, why are you a cop? Yeah, really. And how did you get to be a detective since you don't seem to like to detect things? And just this, you know, this, um, you know, real hard ass female FBI agent who, like I said, already knows like. Who's, who's been tracking this case from probably when she was a kid. Yeah. First day on the force. <laughs> um, and she just happens when to I be, was working the beat in Denver. <laughs> it's like, she just happens to be in the Portland office. She even says like, there's something about Oregon that he keeps coming back to. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Because, yeah, I mean, they end up at this place at the end of the movie. It's just like, but you guys didn't even know this was here. So, yeah. That's another thing. He, he, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but he's got this little love shack out in the middle of nowhere. Love shack, baby. And uh, Sean looks at the picture he took of the check and he sees this P.O. box in Sandy, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And that leads him to this shack. And I'm like, but but that, but it was a P.O. box. Well, no, 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 because he sees Sandy, Oregon, and then he finds an address in the navigation that for Sandy, or it's a, it's a coordinates in Sandy, Oregon. So he just kind of assumes. Right. But why was the P.O. box in Sandy? <laughs> if he lives in Portland, why wouldn't he have a P.O. box in Portland? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> to make things untraceable, I It guess. seemed like a, a bit of a, uh, bit of a reach, bit of a j- jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand why he'd be receiving mail at his secret lair. Exactly. <laughs> or anywhere near it. Exactly. It's like, oh, I got to pay the electricity bills on the old shack. <laughs> Which is also a smart home. Right. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it looks like shit on the outside, but just, you know, soup it up. <laughs> um, yeah. And the girl, the girl he uh, has uh, held, she's... Um, she does the voice of Tony Stark's AI system. Oh, right? really? Friday? Yeah. I just, I was, she looked familiar, but I didn't know why. And I was looking through her credits. Didn't see anything I'd recognize her from, but I saw that she does She's the Jarvis? voice. No, no, no. Because in um, Age of Ultron, uh, Jarvis gets turned into Vision. Oh, okay. And so he has to come up with a new AI system. Gotcha. Named Friday. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it's not it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's just, it's just really generic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean, Tenet's good. Yeah, Tenet. covers his accent really well. Hmm? Covers his accent really well. He really does. Like, um, I mean, when he when he started when he was doing or playing the Doctor, I thought he was actually British. Like, I never would have guessed he was Scottish. Um, and. uh I think the first time I heard him doing an American accent was oh when they started doing uh, the um, the the American adaptation of uh, uh, Broad Broadchurch is that what it's called? Sounds right. Sounds familiar. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but that name sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, he was basically playing the same character he played in the British version. But yeah, it was the first time I heard him do an American accent. I'm like, God, yeah, there's not a trace of that Scottish yeah. accent in there. Um. Anyway, but yeah, uh, Tenant was good. Uh, Sheehan was really good, and it was weird because in Misfits, he's such a smartass. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just a real fuck off, um, and you know, doesn't he, like. I don't think he ever has like a serious scene. Um. So seeing him play this dramatic role was a big change from what I would have expected from him. So I don't know if it was maybe just that skewing my perception or if he actually did a good job. <laughs> um, I thought the acting was good all around. Yeah. I didn't have, like any... said, the, the girlfriend had some strange lines, but mm-hmm. yeah, and like the, the problems with it were all, um, were all script related. I think. Yeah. Just or you know, story related. Yeah, like the acting was fine, the direction was fine, the you know, it was it was shot well, 
Um, all the technical bullet points were were fine. It was just this story and this in the script that just were kind of weak. Yeah. And again, not bad. Yeah. Just you know, like we, like we say, a little generic and a little um, very familiar. Like not really. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> if it's reminiscent of something else. Um, familiar. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, it's not like anything specific where you're like, oh, that's a ripoff of this and that's a ripoff of this. But mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of this generic story that you're like, this feels like tons of other movies I've already, yeah. already seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think that kind of defines this movie a little bit. It's just, I mean, it's got an interesting plot, but there are so many aspects, aspects of it that are, like you said, just so familiar. Things I feel like I've seen a million times before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, derivative. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Ah, there you go. Anyway, um, anything else? Not really. Okay. What do you think? Six. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I, worth a watch. Sure. I'd probably yeah. not something I would watch again, but you know, I would recommend it. Yeah, I'd wait till it hits like, you know, Redbox or, you know, Maybe see if it pops up on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think it's worth the ticket price. Yeah. For to see it in a theater. I mean, I went on discount night, so I went for five dollars. Nice. Yeah. I think bars were like seven. I got movie passes now. Oh nice. So I'm gonna see more movies. Hell of movies. <laughs> I'm just going to go see this. I don't care what it is. They make you jump through a lot of hoops for those fucking things, too. Oh, I bet. Because they're you, losing money on them. Well, yeah. Like I told told my wife, it's like, I mean, you know, we've got them now, and that's great. We can go see as many movies as we can fit in. But, I mean, their business model is so flawed. <laughs> yeah, you, I, you know the, the fuse is lit already. Like. Yeah. Well, it's like I know they tried to back out of it because mm-hmm. I remember telling you that they did – um they stopped doing their monthly passes for $10 or unlimited movies uh, or sorry, not unlimited, but you can see one, one a day, a day. Yeah. and they'd moved it to, you could see, was it four a month? Yeah. Th- either three or four a month. And then you also got a, a three month subscription to iHeart music. It's like, who the fuck uses that? Nobody. It's, they just went bankrupt. <laughs> um, but uh, they just recently, like less than a month ago, switched back to their mm-hmm. m- monthly uh, passes. It's almost like they just went, all right, fine, we'll just do this until we run out of money. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I told my wife, it's like, we can use them while we have them, but it's not going to last forever. Yep. Anyway, so that's Bad Samaritan. Bad Samaritan. Moving on, our second movie is it's in select theaters, I think, but it's also available on cable VOD. So if you have, I mean, I have Xfinity. I think you also have Xfinity. Mm-hmm. And I know it's also available on, uh, I don't know if it's available on Dish or DirecTV. I don't know. If you have cable, go to your on-demand and check and see if it's there. Look it up. We're not doing like, any fucking work for yeah, you. Seriously, I'm not your dad. Uh, but it's a British film written and directed by Andy Nyman called Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Professor Philip Goodman. <coughs> my job is to explain the unexplainable, untangle the truth from the fiction. You don't have to have your life ruled by superstitious fear. You don't believe, dear. Hello? I don't want people looking at me and thinking that I'm mad. Because I know what I saw. No, 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 no. Do you believe in evil, Professor? I didn't. Until that night. Maria? Science. I know you're still there. The spirit. I understand how easy it is to get confused. Don't let them thoughts get into your head, mate. <gasps> everything is exactly as it seems. You don't know everything. I don't like it. <laughs> the brain sees what it wants to see. All right, so it's actually written and directed by Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson. I thought there was another name in there. Uh, based on a play that is also written and directed by those two. Once I discovered that like i think it said in the end credits um maybe it said at the beginning i don't remember but i saw in the end credits that it was based on a stage play I'm like i can see that it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. this is laid out a lot like a play there's three very distinct acts mm-hmm. which in a film form kind of plays out like an anthology right but basically we're introduced to philip goodman who is a when we're first introducing him, he's a, he's a young Jewish lad and he's getting his uh, bar mitzvah and you find out that his dad has is is very strict. Um, he doesn't seem like he's like Hasidic or like staunchly very devout, but yeah, very devout, very strict, has lots of rules. And uh, he, he says, you know, my father's religion ruined our family. Mm-hmm. And you see that he kicked his daughter out of their house because he dated an Asian or she dated an Asian man. Right. So that's, you know, that's the baggage he's working with. Right. Flash forward. He's now an adult. He's alone. He's a single guy. And he hosts this show called uh, psychic cheats where he goes and he finds these famous psychics, these John Edwards types, and he just debunks them on national television. He debunks all over their faces. That's right. He debunks on their chest and face and mouth. And in their hair. And in their hair. And in their eyes. <laughs> so yeah, this guy's, you know, he, he uh, this psychic, I don't remember his name, but he's on the stage and he's getting fed information through his ears. And so Goodman runs out and he's just like, you're a phony. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like, uh, you know, all the, the televangelists 
they just basically they go in there people fill out prayer cards and they're supposed to like un- they're under the impression that you know whomever is going to send out a prayer for their lost loved one but what they really do is they take that information and put it into a system and feed these names and you know family relatives to um um to the the televangelist who then says, "Oh well, God's speaking to me, and you know, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a, a feeling from you know somebody who's passed, and just uh, it's just a bunch of horse shit." Does his name start with an R? It could be a P, B, F. <laughs> yeah, so Goodman like jumps out and says, "You know, shame on you." And so, it, like, when it opens up, it's like this mockumentary. And I I was a little concerned that that's what the movie was going to be. I'm like, all right, well, mockumentary is better than found footage, I guess. <laughs> but that's, like, just the beginning. That's just our introduction to Philip. And then you find out there's this guy from the 70s who was his idol, um, Charles Cameron. And he had a show where he would go to people's houses where people had some kind of spirit or possession or some kind of supernatural thing. And he would basically explain it away with science. And this was what got Philip into, you know, the, the whole psychic cheat business. And he's sitting at home jerking off in the den. And he, <laughs> yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> he, he gets a package in the mail and he opens it up and it's, Oh, I forgot to mention Charles Cameron just kind of disappeared one day, right? Uh, Thirty years ago, yeah, I f- found his uh, his car abandoned and no trace of him. Yeah, Philip was saying, you know, that it was interesting that he became one of these mysteries that he tried so hard to debunk. Mm-hmm. So he gets this package and it's a, a letter from Charles Cameron, and he's saying, you know, I, I need to speak to you. Come to this address. So uh, Goodman, who was played by Andy Nyman goes to this just like out of the way little shanty and meets this guy who's just old and wrinkled and bald and all kinds of geriatric just sickly i mean he walks in and like it's a trail trailer home and it's it, I mean, you can tell by the grimace on his face the place stinks it's disgusting there's dishes built up in the in the in the sink and um there's also a, an iv yeah. Tree? Is that the... I don't know the right term for it. I mean, it might be. I don't know. An I, or, you know, whatever holds an stand. IV bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's clear that this, you know, uh, uh, Cameron guy is sick and dying. Yeah, dying. And he, he basically tells um, Philip, he says, look, I, I, I get it. I've been where you are, but you're wrong. There are things beyond this world, and I'm here to, to tell you that you know there. You need to open your mind and expand your your view of the world, and accept that everything is not as it seems. And so he gives him this package and says, "These are these are three cases that I just could not solve. So if you think you'd know everything, go solve these three. Yeah, he he basically tells him it's like you think you're such a fucking smartass, then you know you solve these fucking cases, solve the unsolvable. Yeah. So he goes, and the first one is a guy named Tony Matthews, and he just kind of runs into him at a bar, 
and basically, you know, bribes him to tell him his story. And all, all the stories are done through a series of flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And so we find out that Tony was a night watchman at a building that used to be a women's mental health facility. And I, it doesn't seem to be anything now. I just abandoned him. So why do they need a watchman? <laughs> that was the part that I didn't really get. But so he's, you know, just kind of hanging out and talking to the his Russian coworker on the walkie-talkie. Yeah, I couldn't fucking hear what they were saying because my wife was fucking with a fucking chip bag. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't hear any of their conversation because every time like the the a guy on the other end of the walkie-talkie would say something, <laughs> <laughs> like I just looked at her like. It wasn't really anything entirely. I know. It's just like, this. I might be missing something here. Yeah. But so weird stuff starts happening. The lights flicker and go out. And he goes and he sees that the, the cord has been unplugged from, was it a generator or was it just the wall? It was a generator. It was a generator. Okay. So, you know, he plugs that back in, goes back in, tells the guy on the radio, you know, he's the guy's like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, I don't know. Just sit around on your ass. Every hour, go do a lap. Come back. Write down what you saw. Get a radio. Have a cigarette. Fuck it. Jerk off. I don't care. Do whatever you want. But so, you know, like I said, all this weird stuff starts happening. He gets a radio, puts the radio on. Weird stuff starts coming through the radio. And so finally he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go check out what's going on. I'm going to come back in 10 minutes and call you. And so he goes out and he sees the the... the plug has been unplugged again and there's like scratches on the top of the generator mm-hmm. so he plugs that back in and he sees a person sitting in a bed and he like screams and he's like hey you need to get out of here and he runs up to them and sees that it's just like a, a tarp or a jacket or something on top of a broom yeah. and he just like starts laughing to himself and thinks how stupid he is it was weird though because like I don't know if it was just because his, his flashlight was like moving, so it made the th- the pile look like it was moving. But I swear, like when he was shining the flashlight on it, it looked like a person. It sitting definitely there was like a person at first, rocking back and forth. Oh yeah, it definitely like was. side to side. Okay, I didn't know if it was just the light bouncing off. No, of it I'm, I'm pr- fairly certain that it was it was a person until he got closer and then it changed. Right. But so he keeps hearing someone running by, mm-hmm. and so he finally he chases him into this room. That's filled with mannequins, <laughs> which is just creepy as fuck. I mean, if you're not using an old asylum, you may as well just keep all your mannequins. Yeah, why not? Um, you know, you're always looking for a place to keep your mannequins. And then one of them has a, a blanket or a towel over it. And he's like, ah, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And he pulls the blanket off and it's just another mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> but then all of a sudden the door shuts and locks and there's this little girl in a yellow dress, like following him around, and she looks dead. She looks like a zombie, basically. Mm-hmm. And then she, uh, like, creeps up on him and puts her fingers in his mouth. Yeah. And that's the end. <laughs> that's the end of the story. But you find out that he, um, his wife died, and his daughter has been locked away in a hospital for five years. And so he basically says, well, you know, this is clearly just a psychosis based on these situations that are happening and he's imagining this little girl because he feels guilty for not visiting his daughter. Yeah. So that's the story of Tony Matthews. He goes to see the guy's priest. I mean, we don't need to dig in this deeply, I guess, but 
goes to see the guy's priest, and apparently, you know, he this Tony he told his priest all about this, and his priest is like basically seeing this as kind of like a blessing uh, because you know it's kind of rekindled his faith. He went and you know got he he you know reconnected with his daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, you know his life has been on kind of an upward swing ever since this happened. And so it's just kind of like a questioning of faith because clearly Goodman has none. Yeah. And this priest is saying, you know, well, basically, who are you to 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 say or to to judge whether or not this was real, and tell him what he did or didn't see? Right. So. Yeah, um, and the second story is a uh, teenage boy named Simon Rifkind, or Rifkind, Rifkind. <laughs> um, played by Alex Lothar, who you might recognize from the End of the Fucking World. It took me forever to figure out why I recognized him. Really? Yeah. He's also in an episode of Black Mirror where he jerks off to kids. That's okay. It's actually a really good episode. I don't think I've seen it. It's not part of it. That's not part of what makes it good. Sure. <laughs> let's, but, let's say that's true. Uh, his story is basically Stash. that he... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, like, I don't like watching kids. I like people masturbating to kids. <laughs> Just digging that all along. Is that better? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, what did I say his name was? Simon. He, when he comes to visit his house, it's, the whole thing's really weird because his parents are in the other room and he's just like, mom, I'm going upstairs. And the mom and the dad are both just like standing there in the kitchen, perfectly still with their back to Philip. Mm-hmm. And it's really creepy. Yeah, and it's like, you know, when you first see it, you, you see his mom, and you just kind of assume it's like she's in the kitchen making Cooking dinner or whatever. Something, yeah. But then you realize that she's not moving. Mm-hmm. She's just like standing there. And then then his dad comes into view, and she's standing right next to her, again, not moving. Yeah, just she's staring like, at the wall. And it, like he's not like in a T-shirt and jeans. He looks like he's wearing a suit. So it's like, yeah, they look like they're out of the 50s or something. Yeah. And so they go upstairs to Simon's room and it's as they're going up, Philip looks in another room and he sees these feet go by. And he asks Simon, he's like, "Who lives who's in this room over here?" And Simon's like, "Oh no, there's nobody there. It's just us." And that that shit never gets explained. It's so weird. Yeah. And then like at one point while they're talking, someone comes up and knocks on the door and he's just like, "No, thank you. Go away." And there's just silence. And he's like, I know you're still there. It's like so just weird. Yeah. This was definitely the weirdest one of the three stories. Yeah. But basically his story is that he was coming home from a party Mm -hmm. and he's driving through the woods and he ends up hitting something. And it looks like a person, you know, and they fly over the top of the the windshield. It's just this awful screech. Like, like, like it sounded like an animal. Yeah. And he gets out and he looks and it's this goat person. And so clearly he's driven through Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but he's just like, I'm sorry. And then he tries to call uh, AAA, but obviously he can't get a signal because he's in the middle of the fucking woods. Right. And he's, <laughs> he's like walking around all hunched back <laughs> trying to get a signal. <laughs> and, uh, and then I love it. He finally gets a hold of AAA and they're like, all right, we'll be there sometime between 10 and 45 minutes. <laughs> he's like, Please hurry. <laughs> and then he gets back in the car and the goat person gets in the car 
What is the, the goat person says something? Well, he tries to get out, and like the goat person, the goat thing, he just like, stay or something like grabs that. Grabs him by the shoulders, and he's like, "Stay." And then he goes, "Fuck that!" <laughs> and then runs away and gets grabbed by a giant tree skeleton. Mm-hmm. It's like a tree that has a skeleton in it. Yeah. And then that's just the end. All these stories they end, and you're just like, "Wait, that can't possibly be the end." Yeah, it's like. All these, all three stories. It's like, well, how did the person get away? Yeah, like how are they here to talk about this? But so you know, again, Philip just kind of explains it away that it's this psychosis that he has because he clearly has a strained relationship with his parents, mm-hmm. and so there's something there that caused these hallucinations. Whatever. Right. So the third story is um, a gentleman named Mike Priddle, played by Martin Freeman. Of the um, Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. All three of them. And Sherlock. And Sherlock. Uh, him, he takes Philip out hunting. And he's basically telling him the story about how his wife uh, was pregnant. And she, while she was in the hospital, I don't know why he wasn't at the hospital with her while she was delivering the baby, but... He kept, he, like he said that he had work to do, like he had stuff, he had work related stuff at home and he didn't feel that he needed to be at the hospital. Um, like, so he, he said that, you know, she was starting to have, she was pregnant and she was starting to have some spotting. So they took her to the hospital and they were just running some tests and it's like, but I had some paperwork at home that I needed to do. So I went home. He's a very important businessman. All right. Doing very important business. Yeah. You know, business-related things. Yeah. And uh, he basically gets visited by a poltergeist Mm -hmm. that starts doing all this weird shit in his house. Putting fingers in his mouth. Putting fingers in his butt. Just a lot of fingers 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 in in places. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then, like, this shape comes up in the crib. And he goes to look, and it's there's nothing there. Oh, so fucking creepy because it was like out of focus. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then he he sees a vision of his wife's ghost, all dead and rotting. And he said, then he he got a phone call from the hospital, and he already knew what they had to say. All right. And so that that wraps up the three stories the three uh cases and so goodman goes back to um cameron and basically tells him you know yeah i figured out your shit don't worry about it and uh, <laughs> you're so stupid <laughs> it's, it's seriously he tells him like yeah it's just like they have different psychoses and that's, yeah. that's it it's just it's like don't fucking bullshit it's, me it's just science like <laughs> um and then a bunch of really sh- crazy shit happens that i'm not gonna talk about yeah that's when uh, everything kind of starts to tie together. Yeah. Uh, the the end brings closure to everything, answers some questions that you didn't even know you had. Yeah. Um, and then the very end kind of makes you question what was real. Yeah. Because, yeah, even when you're, when you're presented with the ending that was you know, presumably to explain everything, it's just like, but was that... Was that real? Yeah. Was that is this real? Yeah. Is this is this inception? <laughs> Am I in a dream? Was in a dream? 
Within a dream? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Real good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a bloody movie. No. And it's, but it's, it's really creepy. Yeah. And it was very simple, which I think probably translated from the fact that it was a stage play. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't overdone. It wasn't overproduced. It was just very, I mean, very straightforward. Um, Did you see the end coming? Uh, like, like the very, very end. Uh, yeah. No, I had an inkling. It wasn't exactly what I thought, but it was similar to what I thought. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really. Um... I don't often try to like pick apart like, oh, here's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And start like, but I had. There was a part where I was like, I think I know how this is going to end. And it was, like I said, it was similar, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, I just wasn't really, um, not, en- not, not engaging myself. Just, I, I, I guess I didn't really think that far ahead about it. At what point did you notice the numbers? You didn't notice the numbers. I, I mean, I guess I, in what con, maybe you need, do you need to talk to me later about it? They just, they keep repeating these numbers. Everywhere he goes, these numbers are somewhere. I guess I didn't notice. Yeah. They just like, there's, you know, either different addresses or when he goes hunting with, uh, with Prittle, he opens up the the shack to get the gun out and the the numbers are printed on the inside of the wall. Okay. I mean, like, I guess I recall seeing numbers. I just didn't really think much of them at the time. Yeah. There was, it was probably... I think it was that at that point with the the gun shack where I was just like, okay, those numbers, I this can't be a coincidence anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just it made me think of the number twenty three. <laughs> it wasn't obviously to that extent, but yeah, I mean, I guess you know when you get towards the end, you kind of start to see everything start to piece together, and those numbers came up. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really make the connection that they'd been addressed before. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this is real good. It's you know, it's got the connecting story, so it's not just like a like a creep show or something where it's just different episodes. It's actually these these three distinct stories, but then there's this, this wraparound story that ties them all together and yeah. actually serves a purpose. Yeah. And I mean, even within the stories there were things that connected them. Yeah. Like um you know, you talk like in the the first story that Tony's being haunted by a a little girl in a yellow dress. And then in Priddle's story, there's a little, there's a doll in a, with, uh, there's a doll in a yellow dress with pigtails, just like the ghost. Yeah. In, in the baby's crib. So, I mean, there's just little things like that that kind of tie together. Yeah. It's a real smart movie. It is. And that's what I think I liked most about it is it was very, um, well written in that not only were it was, the story good and the, you know, the scripting itself good, but the, um, the way things tied together and the way that it all interconnected like a, like a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, I I believe this is Nyman's directorial debut as far as features go. I think Mm -hmm. he's only directed like shorts or TV episodes or something before, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he's a he's an actor normally by trade. Um, he was in uh, he was in Kick Ass too. Oh, um, let's see, Despicable Me three. <laughs> Peaky Blinders, Dead Set. He was in Dead Set. Did you ever watch Dead Set? No. British zombie show. But yeah, man, those Brits, they're smart. Yeah. They know how to do just like little, the little things. Yeah. I mean, if it's not like super dry and drawn out, like a lot of British stuff can Mm -hmm. be, then it's really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I feel like ever since like, let's say Shaun of the Dead, I would think a lot of British, not not just horror, I think just film in, in general has been making its way over here. But you know, yeah, Brits definitely know what they're doing when it comes to horror. They've just got, um, I don't know, just something about their... It's attention to detail, I think is what it is. Yeah, it could be. I'm thinking more just like just uh, s- storytelling in general. Um it's just got something to it that uh, I mean, attention to detail, sure, but just the, the the type of tales that they tell, yeah, are, are they've got a, I mean a, a British feel to them, and it's just something that American films don't really capture a subtlety, sure. And I, I can't really put my finger on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know exactly what it is, other than just you know a British sensibility, maybe. Anyway, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something with like a lot of action and, you know, hack and slash, something like that, this is definitely not the movie you're going to be looking no. for. But like I said, real creepy, real, um, you know, the the tone is real dark and it um, it keeps you in suspense, keeps, keeps you guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. Um. I'm gonna do seven. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's yeah. a you know it's available on on cable on demand if you have that, or I know it is in some theaters. I don't know. I don't think it's a a uh, wide release, but if you can, yeah. I mean, I punched it into Fandango, and it said it there wasn't any showings within like fifty miles of me. So <laughs> it may still just be in theaters in the UK. I'm not a hundred percent on that. Maybe. But if you get a chance, I would recommend it. It's real good. Yeah, I'm sure it'll get a wider release. I, I'm pretty sure the plan is to have, like, I think this summer, get it on to the VOD channels, the iTunes and mm-hmm. the, the whatnots and the what have yous. Right. So look out for that. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I also love Martin Freeman. Guy's great. He's good. He's he's probably my favorite part of the movie, I think, just because his, the character that he played was just such a such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so that's it. That brings us to the end of the show, guys. Yep. Did you have fun? I did. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, did we, you? Yeah. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I got mine. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with another episode, guys. Um, 
And uh, what are we? What are we gonna be doing? I don't remember. Uh, we're gonna be watching uh, uh, Graham Skipper's Sequence Break and uh, Feral, starring Scout Taylor Compton. Right. So look out for that. Um, in the meantime, we can be found online. Taylor, tell them where. Best place to find us is at graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, give us a uh, rating and review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We'll send you a free magnet if you let us know that you gave us a rating. Um, remember to do it. <laughs> and Tony remembers to do it. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And of course, check out patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast for exclusive content. Neat. Uh, and don't forget Patreon, guys. Or just said Sorry. that. Sorry, I only half listened to you. I mean, you know that. Um, cool. So, thanks for joining us, guys, and we will catch you again next time. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. 